I want to tag this text and talk about for a few minutes today the profile of a spiritual adult. The profile, the profile of a spiritual adult. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, um, Lord God, for a renewal in Jesus Christ, the ability to be born again. And then as we're born again, we start off as spiritual babes and grow up in the faith. And so, Lord, today, challenge us in our spiritual growth. Work with us in our spiritual growth and help us get a visionary picture of what it looks like to be more effectively conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ in which we've been born. Lord, we need power. We need the power. We need, to, we need the generator of heaven to generate in us the necessary strength, power, and energy to be all that you've called us to be. And so, God, in order for that to happen, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody agree with that said? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. As we're going through our series on It's Time to Grow Up, uh, um, 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 we, we're, we're in chapter 2, uh, latter part of chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians, and, and, and we're going to walk through some interesting things, some deep things today. Uh, um, um, Aaron may not have to get on the organ today for me to close today, so some of you can unsweat your sweat glands right now, um, because this is going to be a pretty deep message, but I think it's going to help us to really connect with what God wants us to sort of zoom in on and connect with so that we can become spiritual adults. So, 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 so look at yourself and say, I got to listen today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to listen today. And so, so I want you to take out your notepads and a pen or take out your phone or your iPad or uh, that jacked up tablet thing that you got that's not an iPad. And I want you to use that, utilize that today in order to take some serious notes because I got a lot to say. Yeah, I put it on blast. Don't, don't get mad at me. But, 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 but I, want us to, I want us to really zoom in uh, more than usual because I don't want anything to pass you by today. Don't let the depth of it scare you. How many of you know that when you become a believer, you can't check your, your brain at the door? You don't leave it at the door. Christians aren't meant to be stupid. That's why I hate when people say sheep are dumb. I don't like that. Not Jesus' sheep. They're not, they're not supposed to be dumb forever, at least. Today's message kind of reminds me of uh, when Kobe Bryant first got drafted. And I can tell you right now, Shorty was a monster. Dunking over cats' heads. You know what I'm saying? Just killing, uh, uh, killing doing his thing while he was in high school. But when he transitioned uh, into the NBA, I mean, his skill was impeccable, impeccable, impeccable skill, killing. But when he got in clutch situations with all of that skill and with all of that capability, his age and emotional maturity was revealed. Because in those times, with all, all of those skills were not enough to help him with the maturity that it took to, to take a shot in a clutch situation. And so in other words, what, what, my, man, what my man ended up doing is he, he ended up uh, uh, starting to work on uh, the, 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 the challenges of his lack of maturity so that his spiritual maturity would catch up with his gifted ability. Let me say that again. So that his spiritual maturity could catch up with his gifted ability. That means he had to hear from people some hard things who were more mature than him. That means that he had to do some regiments that was outside of his gifting and not necessarily in the realm of what he was used to to help him to be all that he needed to be so that when clutch situations came, when difficult situations came, he was able to show a level of prowess and maturity that was equal and not in the sub-zero category in relation to where his gifts are. 
Many believers here, we got a lot of people, you think you're a grown-up. You, you smell like a grown-up. You use deodorant and everything. that, that you, You've gone through puberty, and everything seems to be working from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. But when it comes to your soul, there is some jacked-upness that you need to deal with because of the, the, the chronic spiritual immaturity that you have in your life. Every single believer needs to be in a place where you can hear from somebody something that you don't like. Oh, that's why I ain't going to get no, I ain't bring no amens with me this morning. I'll bring it by myself. But, but everybody needs to have some people in their life that tell you off. Tell you off and, and, and you learn how to pray about whether or not they were telling the truth, even if you don't agree with them. And, and, and so Paul today is challenging the Corinthian believers in their spiritual immaturity, because they have social maturity, they're, they're foodies, they're, they, they got gear, you know what I'm saying? They go to boutiques and they know how to put style together and they look good and they, they're in the upper echelons of the elite society. And so they base their maturity on their externals, not based on the transformational power of the gospel. I don't care where you transition socioeconomically, socioeconomic development does not equal spiritual maturity. I know I'm by myself today, but, 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 but some of you all are, are, are recognized. See, let me, let me just give you this for free. <laughs> Ladies, I'm going to give you this for free. Just because he ain't sec, uh, 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 socioeconomically monstrous doesn't mean that he's not spiritually mature. I'm going to just say that, and that was for free. Now back to the message. Um, so, so, so as we walk through this and as we develop through this for God's sake, in relation to the profile of spiritual adult, I want to give you a picture of this. So, so, so the first thing we want to look at in the text in relation to the profile of spiritual maturity is, number one, spiritual adults have a high view of the wisdom that's found in the word of God. Spiritual adults have a high view. Somebody say high view. High view of the wisdom found in the word of God. Paul says, uh, yet, yet among the mature... Underline that word mature in your Bible. Highlight it if you got it on a technological device. We're going to spend a lot of time diving into that word for the next two chapters. But, but, but this word mature is an interesting word. He, said, he says, yet, yet among the mature, we do not impart, uh, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And so Paul is saying, the wisdom that we have, we value because of spiritual maturity. He says, we don't value the wisdom of the world. He's trying to get Christians to not value man's wisdom more than God's wisdom. Let me say that again. Because many of us don't value the word of God enough, and so we allow the word of God to be our mainstream for what we view as wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to live, in the Bible is, that is, wisdom is the ability to live out what you know. That, that, that's what wisdom is. And, and so in living out what you know, he says we speak a wisdom among those who are mature. Because, and so what he's trying to do is get Christians to value what God says above what man says. The problem with most Christians is we don't value the word of God. And, and, and what happens is, is we only like that aspect of the word of God that agrees with what we already agree with. But when you are challenged and transformed into your maturity, you value the entire counsel of God. 
That's why, in the, that's why we do both topical expositional messages and we do book expositions because many times you can do a topical exposition, which means you pick a topic and, and from the Bible, you gather scriptures on it and you preach on it, and that's okay. But we're going through book studies so that we won't skip verses. Be, because, you, because Jesus says every jot and tittle, uh, he said heaven and earth will pass away till the lightest stroke or the smallest stroke of the word of God pass away. And so that means we need to hear everything God says even in Leviticus and even in the chronologies. In other words, everything that God said is inspired. Look at somebody and say it's inspired. It's inspired. And so, and so, so maturity here is interesting. R maturity here, Paul, li it, it literally means, it, it, it's the word that is telos, but it's the same word that in, in, in a different form that's used by Jesus on the cross when he died. At the end of it, he said, tetelestai, it is finished. So, so, so the word mature means to bring something to full completion, to bring something to a place of spiritual stability. So to bring something to a place of perfection. Now you understand that when you become a believer, you are positionally, you are positionally, you look like Jesus Christ. Ultimately, God is going to return through Jesus Christ and will be glorified in immortality. I mean, mortality, that means this body that we live in will be replaced by a brand spanking new body that's being manufactured in heaven. And so we'll put on our eternally manufactured body to put on our spiritual manufactured body inside of it. However, there's the dash in between that, between justification and glorification, and that's sanctification. <coughs> there's, there, there, there are two states of sanctification in progressive sanctification. There's positional sanctification made to look like Jesus, but then there's practical or progressive sanctification. Are you trekking with me? This ain't too deep for you yet, is it? And so that means you're going into progressing of spiritual growth from going from spiritual to spiritual. Now, there are two stages of that. There's spiritual infancy and there's spiritual maturity. There's, there's spiritual childhood and there's spiritual adulthood. There is a point in every believer's journey where they become what's called mature. When you're a babe in Christ, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 says, receive the pure milk of the word. That means milk are for babes. That means milk, Paul will talk about it in chapter 3, milk is for babes. When my, when my, when my, when my sons were born, I couldn't stuff a steak down their throat. So I'm going to taste this, boy. It's medium. You don't even know what this is. He, my sons will go like this. Mm -mm. But soon as you hold a bottle out, they about to scratch my face off trying to get to it, and they suck it down. And which, what I've always been blown away by milk is that when they drink that milk, it, they get bigger. Because milk at that time has everything in it that the baby needs to grow. But there's a certain point in the baby's journey where milk ain't enough. And when milk ain't enough, there's now a time to transition into solid food. But you can't have the hardcore solid food, so it has to be grind down so you get the Gerber ministry. And when you get the Gerber ministry, you know, with the little baby on the front that ain't changed in 100 years, um, uh, um, 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 and, 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 and you begin to give that baby that food, and then all of a sudden they begin to pop them gums, and they don't want the milk as much as they did, even though they like the milk. They like food, and you start giving them, then you transition them to heavy food. That's what a believer's life is like. The believer is a life where you transition towards maturity from getting off milk to getting the meat. Look at somebody and say, I got to get off the milk and get the meat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, so, and so Paul is calling the people of God to maturity. 
And so as he's calling them to maturity and challenging them and strengthening them, he tells them, we speak, we speak a wisdom that's for people that want to grow up spiritually. In, 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 in other words, we, we, we speak a wisdom where when you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you identify with it. So he's basically telling them that functionally they're acting like unbelievers because he can't give them the weightiness of God's truth that he wants to give them because they should have grown up. Paul spent a year and a half with the believers when he discipled them, so that should have been enough time for them to grow up. Some of us have been stuck in a state of perpetual spiritual immaturity. I don't care how long you've been in the church. I don't care how long you sing on a praise team. I don't care how long you've been in a choir. I don't care how long you've been an usher. I don't care how long you've been on the building committee. I don't know how long you've been in what, but in the time that you were a spiritual infant to now, you should have been more mature than you are now. And so I stopped by here to tell you today, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And so, so Paul, Paul walks us through that and gives us some, I want to give us some, some idea. This is how you, now some of y'all looking at me, how do I, how you know I'm immature? All right, I'm going to tell you. Number one, if you're childish. Now I'm going to give you some identifiers of the fact that you're childish. Number one, you're self-absorbed. Everything in your life got to be built around you. In other words, if somebody, if, if, if you're with 10 people, I'm going to make this real plain, and everybody's hungry, everybody, nine of them want Mexican, but you want McDonald's. But you try to always strong arm everybody that's with you to do what you want to do versus submitting to a majority of what others want to do. In other words, life has to be built around you. You're self-absorbed and everything in your life is built for your happiness. If your life is built on you being happy, not happy in Jesus, but happy in you, you're spiritually immature. Because a mature person finds happiness in the hard things. That's why I say, oh, you don't think I got Bible for it. Count it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect work in you. What is joy? Unending satisfaction with God no matter what. That's what joy means. And some of us are so self-absorbed in our own lives that we, 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 we don't find joy in God. See, you know you're born again when your taste buds change spiritually. When something you wouldn't have liked, you just start liking it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I usually like my steaks well done. I usually like my steaks well done. Charred on the outside. But then somebody told me, said, listen, brother, let me just tell you something. You don't get the flavor of the steak when you fully cook it. I was like, man, what you talking about? He said, all right. He said, all right. He said, Gerson, come in. It's a trip when dudes in the hood be knowing food. Gerson, Gerson, what is Gerson? Anyway, make my man's steak medium. Man, I was like, I was looking at it, and it was a little, it was a pink center. Now I was looking at it like, I chai chai, I chai chai, I chai chai. And then I cut it. I just said, I said, slickum, slickum. Put the, put the fork on, I looked at it. And then I went, cacao. I was like, hey, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Because I didn't know that all the flavor was getting cooked out of the steak. And all I, but, but I wanted to make sure. He said, he said, don't cook it all the way because it'll take the. He said, I want you to keep the maturity of the steak. Because this steak has been aged so that the flavor comes out of it more. 
And see, that's what our lives are supposed to be like. We're supposed to desire and have a palate for the higher things of God. In other words, you're supposed to be an eternal foodie. Oh, my God. See, some of y'all been on McDonald's Christianity too long. Some of y'all on Wendy's Christianity too long. Some of y'all on all kinds of, y'all on, on Dunkin' Donuts Christianity. Have another illustration for that. I'm a coffee snob. If you go to Dunkin' Donuts, that's halitosis coffee. And you know halitosis coffee when you smell it and it smells like bad breath. But see, this is how you know anointed coffee. Anointed coffee is when you look at it after it gets poured and there's oil in it. Oh, you missed that. Because what in the Bible does the Holy Ghost represent? Oil. If there's oil, I wish I had some time to preach it like I see it. In other words, and then my palate now understands the countries that the coffee has come from because of what it's been grown around. It's absorbed the flavors into it so that when you, if the ones that are from uh, certain parts of Hawaii, the, they, they've been by the volcano, so you get a volcan volcano char to it. Some African coffees have a floral arrangement across it. When you drink it, flowers just cacao across your tongue. Why? Because when you mature your palate, you can taste stuff that you didn't know was there. See, when I give something high to somebody that don't understand it, they just drink it, this is coffee to me, but to a mature palate. You can taste all of the arrangements of what made it what it is. That's what it means to be a mature believer in Jesus Christ, is that you begin to taste, I didn't know it was all that in the word of God. Oh, mm, mm, that tastes like a little bit of getting my sin off. Mm. I, I taste uh, some humility right there on the back of the... The aftertaste is the glory of God. I feel it right now, God. In other words, when you learn how to eat from a heavenly palate, you change the way you taste. And all the things that you taste ain't the same because of it. I got to keep going. Immature people are easily angered. You turned up real easy. The Bible says that the anger of man doesn't achieve the righteousness of God. That's why the Bible says be angry but sin not. Some of us, when we get angry, the first thing that comes out of our mouth are different words that aren't from the kingdom of God. Uh, some of us are easily angered. You know, this is how you're easily angry somebody cut in front of you. And you weren't even going that fast, but it make you speed up. But then you get real, real mad, so you drive over beside them, but you make sure it ain't a thug first, you know. <laughs> Y'all know I'm telling the truth. Is it tinted windows? I don't know who in there. You know what I'm saying? If it's black windows, black, just don't even say nothing. And some of y'all be like, oh, I don't want to mess with him. Oh, God. But then if it's an old lady, hey, hey. It means you're easily angered, easily, easily angered. That's immaturity. Everything in your life sets you off real easily. When your bank account gets low real quick, you get mad. When you ain't got all that you want, that you when you want, that, that you, you're angered by everything in your life. When your kids set you off easily, you're spiritually immature. I got to keep going. Holds grudges. Hold grudges. Y'all got quiet on that one. Oh my goodness. You, 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 know, you know, it's funny, in my, in my marriage, I have to, we always, I always have to grow up in this because when my wife, if she sinned against me, I, I, I always, or she ain't really sinned against me, I just feel like she did, even though it ain't in the Bible what I didn't like that she did. And so I get mad, and so she'll be trying to repent, and I'll be like, I, I, I need more repentance out of you, so I kind of give her like the silent treatment. That's spiritual immaturity if you do that. And that means you need to accept that repentance immediately. The quicker you accept, and that's authentic repentance. And so you're able to do that. Next one, I can't stay on these all day. Uh, spiritually pessimistic. You, you're a glass half empty person. 
In other words, in other words, you're easily depressed. I'm not talking about clinically depressed. I'm talking about just the bottom drops out of you easily. The Bible said that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Another one. Driven by self-gratification. Everything around you has to be immediate. And that means you don't apply the fruit of the Spirit patience so that you can grow up and so that you can develop and be all that God wants you to be in relation to your maturity. I got so many more, but I can't stay on all of these. Uh, Next, we want to talk about spiritual maturity. It's many times defined by several things. Number one, we see in the Bible that number one, spiritual maturity, and I'm going to come back to these next week because I want to walk back through these so that we can get some more clarity on what God has to say. Is that all right with you? All right. Are y'all still tracking with me? All right. So so, so the first area of your life that that, that shows maturity is stability in decision making. James 1.8. If you, if, you, if you just can't make decisions or you make bad ones all the time, you're spiritually immature. Now, how do you know? Somebody say, well, how do I know it's bad? What if it works? Nah, if it doesn't work God's way, it's a bad decision. Number two, stability in your beliefs. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 through 15 <coughs> talks about the fact that people can get tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That means, that means if, if you're not doctrinally settled based on the historic Christian faith, faith alone in Christ alone is salvation and it's finished work on the cross, that the Trinity exists, the inerrancy of the Bible, the, uh, all those different things, the, 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 the gospel is by, belief is by grace in Christ alone, all those different things uh, that, that, that make and comprise of, you're not stable in them. If you're not stable in those things, you won't be stable because God's system of belief based on the scriptures is what stabilizes us in the faith. That's why James said in James 1.21, receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save or strengthen or sanctify your soul. And so, and so, and so num- 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 number three, this is based on Hebrews 5.11. Also able to develop other stable Christian, other other stable Christians through discipleship. If you can't make a disciple, you're not a mature Christian. That means that you walk with somebody from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, or one aspect of their journey. That's very very important for us to be able to work through. I'll come to some more next time, but but I really want us to zoom in and develop in that. You know, many churches. Many churches in this country close a year. There are about 3,500 to 7,000 churches close a year. 1,500 pastors a month leave the ministry altogether. Did you hear that stat? And most of that is connected to the immaturity of church from the pulpit to the pew. That's why there needs to be built in the church a progression of the faith. I can't holler at you and hoop to you all the time. Now, y'all know I like the hoop and all of that, but every sermon can't be that. Sometimes you need some teaching and some clarity based on what is proclaimed. Preaching uh, exposes you. uh, Teaching explains it to you. Did you hear that? That was good right there. You should catch that and write that down right there. Preaching exposes, but teaching explains. You need both teaching and preaching. 
And so, and so, and so that means that, that, that biblically what matures a church is not you saying that was a good word. What matures a church is not you feeling good after you leave every Sunday. What matures a church is faithfulness and consistency in the word of God on every single level. And even if I don't like it, even if it's tight, it's right. And no matter where I am in my life, I'm going to walk in what God said is his saying. You got to be able to, you got to be willing to hear everything God says. You can't, you can't say, well, without, just, listen, you don't always need a word in season. Some words are for another season that don't exist yet. I don't want to get ready for a season in a season. Listen, 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 let me tell you something. When I go shopping, I don't shop for the season I'm in. I shop right. What I do is I shop outside of the season because the clothing is less. And plus, I want to be prepared for the season. So I get my mothballs and my cedar blocks and put my stuff away until the next season so nothing won't eat it up. But I'm ready. I got some tags on some stuff for the next season. And that's what you got to do with messages in the church. You got to put some tags on some messages. You got to say, I'm not right here now, but this is new. So I'm going to pack this away. But when that season comes, I already got it so I can take the Walmart plastic off of it and put on what God wants me to put on for that season. That's what you got to be able to do. I got to move. Y'all looking at me funny. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. I got to move. So next point. Spiritual adults recognize that it takes God to know God. Spiritual adults recognizes that it takes God to know God. He says, verse 7, he says, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the angels for our glory. So he says a secret and hidden wisdom. They like secret and hidden wisdom that was disconnected from the word of God. That's what the Corinthians like. The Corinthians liked people who gave prophetizations. A prophetization is an untruthful prophecy. Like Jeremiah 23 says, they pro the prophets prophesy, but they don't prophesy my words. And so what they like, they like deep information that seemed like it it, it, it trumped what God has already said in his word. In other words, the farther you get away from something that's familiar in the Bible to the Corinthians was more deep. And so that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 is going to say, these things that I've written to you in order that you may not stray far from the things which are written. That's why I, I don't care who come to me with a prophecy. I believe in prophecy and all that, but, you got, but I'm not impressed that you got a word. Because I want to know if it's from the word. Because if it ain't principally in the word, it don't need to be heard. So 1 Thessalonians say, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully and hold to that which is good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, I ain't impressed. Tell me what you said. I ain't scared of your little prophetic utterance, your little hyper-prophetic prophecy, fantasy. Give me what you got to say. Plata out, ear is open. Now I'm going to do like this. I'm going to say, now where principally could that prophetic utterance be in the Bible? And somebody tell me, $1,000 is going to just drop into your bank account tomorrow. Amen. From somewhere. I'm going to say, from where? <laughs> Money comes from somewhere. It don't drop from nowhere. That means there's some stealing going on. And I remember the Ten Commandments. It said, uh, thou shalt not steal. So you're telling me that I should let thieves give me money. I shouldn't report money just showing up in my account. See, some of y'all get too happy on worldly blessings and don't look into the scriptures to see if you're walking in sin. 
The Bible said test every spirit to see if it's the spirit of God. I ain't scared of no prophet nowhere on planet earth if they ain't in the doggone Bible. Amen. But this secret and hidden wisdom is beautiful. Because the secret and hidden wisdom that we're talking about is the gospel that was veiled for ages. <laughs> and it was veiled for ages. This is, he said, this is better than your secret. He said, it's a secret because those who don't know Jesus Christ can't understand it because they don't have the spirit of God. It's unveiled to those who know Jesus Christ as Savior. And so what happens is, is this secret wisdom is God unveiling the glory of who he is to us. Now, what's crazy is, is he says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom. He said, God decreed before the ages for our glory. I like this. So he says, God makes decrees, not man makes decrees. Y'all going to get this one day. God makes decrees. Man doesn't make decrees. Now, what is a decree? The decrees of God have been established in eternity past and have reference to God's sovereign control over every realm and over all events. So that means in eternity past, God decided the meta narrative of everything. That means he said, if my eternal goals based on Jesus Christ, I have set in place. And therefore, everything works after the counsel of things coming to pass that I want to come pass, not man. Therefore, God has set in motion his decrees and man's responsibility to be responsible and responsive to what he's already decreed. So on a very, very practical level, everything in your life works together for the good of those who love him and according to his purpose. What is his purpose? His decrees. That means your mess is a part of his decrees. Your brokenness is a part of his decrees. Your hell is a part of his decrees. Your disappointments are part of his decrees. Why? Because there's nothing that doesn't, that happens to you that God hadn't seen beforehand and he had already prepared decrees that are bigger than where you are to grow you up to where you need to be. That means that anybody come to you in the service, hey, I decree today, right now, that God, you ain't decreeing jack. Somebody tell me, the, the Christian has the ability to decree. You can, you, can, you, 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 you can speak, you can name it, you can claim it, you can grab it, you can stab it, you can call it, you can haul it, you can reel it, and you can steal it. But I don't care where you are, you can't proclaim a word from your mouth that God has to respond to that he hadn't already told you to say. Somebody got some help right there. Some of y'all running in some old, some old slew foot prophets, prophetic lying, because I'm, I'm, I'm living, I'm standing on a prophecy. I don't see that nowhere in the Bible. I stand on the prophecies that are already written. That's what Jesus did. Now, if somebody prophesies and is not in concert with the scriptures, I get to ignore the prophet. Even you get to ignore me if what I say has nothing to do with the scriptures. Did you hear that? I give you the authority. Matter of fact, God gave you the authority when you got saved to ignore any pastor, any preacher, any so-called prophet if what they say is not connected to the eternal decrees of God. <laughs> because you can't stand on what I say unless it's connected to what God has already said. See, my preaching is unimpressive because all I'm doing is saying what God is saying. See, people like impressive preachers who can come up with something new. But if it's something, if it's new, it ain't true. <laughs> so I got a new word from God. Where? Where? God has revealed himself in times past in many ways to the prophets and fathers, and he has revealed himself these days in Jesus Christ. Bled out. 
What does Ecclesiastes say? There is nothing new under the sun. That's what the Bible says. Now I don't know with somebody, they got a new word. A fresh word doesn't mean that it's new. It just means you just hearing it. <laughs> See, some of y'all, I need a rhema word from God. I need, I need fresh manna from on high. What part of God's word is stale? Tell me. What part, what part of God's word? I ain't, I, oh, I can sit God's word out as long as it, it doesn't have yeast and it doesn't have preservatives in it. it, it listen, listen, it, it's all natural with no preservatives and it can last forever. Heaven and earth will pass away before the word of God. Y'all better learn how to trust in his See, that's what matures you. That's what's nutritious for your soul is what God says. Some of you need just a renewal of God's, a love for God's word in your spirit. Oh, I got one more thing to say. I'm, I'm just trying to get off this point because the word of God is so powerful. The word of God is so strong. Matter of fact, he says, he says when I send it, it will accomplish what I sent it out for. You see, what makes mature people is when your soul is receptive and you bear fruit 100, uh, 150, 1,000 fold. Why? Because it is the word of God and it accomplishes what God wants it to do because he said it. I got to move. I want you, uh, this, this last point is going to rock the daylights out of you. It rocked me. And, and, and the word of God is so potent and so clear. Last point, spiritual adults depend on the Holy Spirit to deepen their intimacy with God. When, I'm going to just give this, I'm going to introduce this, I'm going to get out your way. Uh, help me, God. L look at what the word says. It says, it's, it's, it says uh, in verse 8, let's look at verse 8. It says, none of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Look at this. It says, but, it is, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the, uh, nor the heart of man, imagine, or thought entered in the heart of man, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, now in, 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 church, in, in our church, we've read that and we shout on that. But, 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 but God, listen to what you got to read, the next verse. Those things God has revealed through his spirit. Huh. So the things that God has hidden, he's revealed. So that means he's revealed through his spirit, meaning to those who trust Jesus Christ as Savior. And so now God has revealed these things and making these things available as you grow in him. Even though we see into a glass dimly, we get a clear word from God. So now look at the next verse. This is mind boggling. It said in the next part of the verse, it says, for the spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Now, I'm going to just let you all know right now. There are times when I'm preaching where the concepts of scripture go beyond my homiletical and oratorial training and capability. There are some things that are so massive as it relates to who God is that I can't even wrap my homiletical or exegetical or theological mind around it because it's so massive. But let's see if we can try to work through this since it's the word of God and the God says, preach the word. He says, for the spirit searches. Somebody say searches. searches. So, so, so what we're seeing is, Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. So what seems like the imagery is here is that the Holy Spirit indwells God the Father. It's in the text, right? Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't know what God knows. Okay? He's talking about this in relation to us. 
So if you know Jesus Christ as Savior, you have the Spirit of God. So God is connected to his Spirit because his Spirit is him, right? And so the Holy Ghost <coughs> searches through the depths of God. He's the search engine of God's nature. In, in, in other words, God's omniscience, God's omnipresence, God's grace, God's mercy, the Holy Spirit dwells in those and he grabs what he he grabs stuff for particular reasons. And so what happens is, is the fact that he lives in us and through Christ's finished work on the cross, we've been reconnected to God through Christ and affirmed by the spirit. I told you it was deep. I'm coming to the end of my vernacular that what happens through that connection of the spirit being in us and the spirit being in God is that the downloading iCloud process is monstrositous. Okay, so, it's so, 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 so in other words, with the Holy Spirit being the search engine of God's nature, that means God is like cyberspace, if I can try to even say that. But he's like cyberspace. There's, there's like limits. It seems like there's no limits to it. But, but Google when, is, is a search engine that can grab anything in cyberspace and put it to the person that's using the search engine. Somebody going to get it in a second. And so what happens in our relationship with God is because Google, uh, ha in our relationship with the internet, because Google has access, it, it knows all of the information in cyberspace, that's why it's able to get it. In other words, in relation to cyberspace, Google is omniscient. In cyberspace, not in the world, but in cyberspace. And so in other words, if I put anything that I need to get a hold of into the Google search engine, it can pull it up and lay it out so that I can look on these different web browsers to learn about what the Google went to go get for me. Where, where, where the Holy Ghost is Google to the nature of God. And whatever I need to learn from God, I just type it into the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God goes through as the search engine of the nature of God. And he pulls those things down and puts them all in the search engine so that we can see it clearly in the Word of God. Why? Because he's the Spirit of truth. And you know, he calls to lead you in the truth. Jesus said, he will remind you of all of the things that I've taught you. In other words, God can't pull out the Google engine on a soul that doesn't have the Word of God down and loaded on it. In other words, the Holy Ghost ain't going to bring back to your remembrance what he hasn't put there through you reading God's word. In other words, it's massive. It's massive to know that God is working with the mature Christian to take you deeper. Christianity is called to take you deep. Not to take you into shallow places in your life. But if he searches the depths of God, then guess what he wants us to be? Deep. Now, I'm not talking about deep in the sense of you just say something that nobody don't understand. <laughs> that was deep. And then people walk away, what was that? <laughs> now, when it comes to the deep things of God, it has to do with maturity. It has to do how you love folk. You have a deep love for people based on your deep love for God. You serve. You have deep service and generosity to others. That, that's what it looks like. And so we're going to go through this the rest of this next week. But I'm excited because I want us to recognize that God is calling each one of us to be a disciple. From our teenagers in here to our oldest saint in here, you have the ability by God's grace to be mature and to grow up and to be all that he's called you to be. So don't settle for mediocre Christianity because there's no such thing as mediocrity in the faith. There's only one type of Christianity, and that's rich strengthening, powerful Christianity that comes from the living God. And so I pray that we won't settle for less from the living God. 
and that we would look at spiritual adulthood and we say, God, I don't want to be here anymore. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of being in this place that I'm in. I don't want to value anyone's word above yours. I want to above your word above everything in my life. Father, we honor you and thank you for Christ who died for us, gave his life for us, and was raised from the grave on the third day. We're excited about that, God. We're thankful that the spirit of God that lives within us, he himself, the spirit of God, in a, in a powerful, powerful way, connects us with your depths. Lord God, and it'll take forever to get connected with the depths of you. And so I pray for your people today. I pray for us today that we will be deeply connected to you through your word and that we would download everything from the, from the spiritual eye cloud of the Holy Spirit through the word of God to have a deep and enriching and powerful relationship with you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.